Hello, and welcome to another FACT podcast. I'm Dr. Fred Clary, founder of Functional Analysis Chiropractic Technique. And in this podcast, in this episode, we're going to talk about rituals, thalamic integration, filtering, and summation, and why we do what we do. And do not, do not walk a mile in someone else's moccasins. Fred, what do you mean? We all know that ethically, if you're a good person, the phrase walk a mile in someone else's moccasins means you have to see the world from their viewpoint. Um, If you look at someone who's having some problems, that if you live their life, you would have empathy for them. So the term walk a mile in someone else's moccasins, you know, displays empathy and feeling. And I'm not going to get into empathy and feeling, but I'm going to say as far as performance in your nervous system, it's the worst thing you could do. And what we're going to talk about today is rituals, environmental cues that change thalamic integration, and central nervous system performance. What's that mean? You're always your best when you're comfortable with your environment internally and externally. And when you're comfortable with your environment internally and externally, things around you, the things in you, then you have better performance, whether that's on the powerlifting platform, whether in your job, whether at home parenting, or in your relationships. And it's a neurological issue. It has to do with the efficiency of how your nervous system runs. And neurologically, it's always better on your home turf. Home field advantage is a real thing. So let's just look at the idea of rituals. We all get up in the morning and we drink some coffee. Now, just because we all have two or three cups of some, you know, methyl xanthine alkaloid, that's what caffeine is, and it, it you know, helps release um, glycogen and break down glycogen, that's our stored blood sugar, um, that's stored in the liver and the muscles. It helps break that down into more sugar. Even if you have no food, by drinking a little coffee that has caffeine in there, your liver squeezes out a little blood sugar. So do your muscles. Just sitting there drinking coffee. Isn't that amazing? That's why all these pre, you know, these energy drinks or pre-workout drink, drinks, you know, you can go to any convenience store and grab, a, um, you know, some I almost said the brand name, sorry. Um, you can grab you can grab an energy drink and everyone gets hyped up. Now, there's a lot of B vitamins in there, There's and that helps uh, with energy release. But the main thing in there is some type of ingredient or caffeine that helps raise blood sugar, whether you have sugar in your system or not. It also will increase the amount of um, firing of a certain portion of your nervous system called the sympathetic. Our unconscious or autonomic nervous system has a parasympathetic function, like digesting food, helping you sleep, and it has a sympathetic, fight or flight, wakes things up, increases heart rate, respiration, gets your muscles ready to run or throw a spear or run up a tree from a saber-toothed tiger. And what caffeine does is wakes us up for that. The interesting thing is, is our brain can do that on its own. There's plenty of studies showing that they will give like a decaffeinated beverage, something that smells like coffee, almost tastes like coffee. I've yet to find a a good decaffeinated drink that tastes exactly like a caffeinated drink. If you can find that for me, please uh, send a message on one of the the podcast message boards. Just make a comment, please, and tell me what can I have that tastes like it that doesn't have caffeine. But what that does, what the studies show is that the people's heart rate started to increase, 
Their liver starts squeezing out blood sugar, glycogen, which was broken down enzymatically into glucose. So what was going on? How's that possible? Well, some people call this the placebo effect. Now, we all know what the placebo effect is. That's when we do a study and we're trying to find out if this drug that I'm giving you, this, this fancy red pill that I give you, um, will reduce headaches. And they get a study where they give a red pill that's a different medicine. They'll have another group in the study that takes the medicine. And then they have another group that takes a red pill that's nothing but sugar. There's no active ingredient in it at all. And there would be a certain percentage of humans in the placebo group, the group that got the sugar pill, whose headaches go away. Why is this possible? They call it the, the uh, placebo effect. Well, the placebo effect is a real effect. I don't know why we call it placebo when we downgrade it. It's a neurological effect that just means their nervous system is better than everyone else's. They don't need the drug. Their brain will release certain neurotransmitters and chemicals to get the same effect that someone else needed for the drug. Similar, you know, where people get, you know, take this drug, they thought they were getting the drug, and they released the chemicals. They were, their headache magically went away. We find this true in, in our environment. This is how the brain works. If your brain views that you're, remember, your brain is just a biological substance, you know, two to three pounds of jello floating in Gatorade, you know, your brain, you know, just is looking for efficiency. Your mind, which is a construct created by the biological structure called your brain, is looking for continuity and congruency. So if you're in a, con uh, you have some continuity, you're in your own house, you're in your own place, and you have a cup of coffee, and you know that that's usually what wakes you up, your liver will start releasing, you know, blood sugar before you even that caffeine hits your lips. You will start waking up a little bit. You will be calm. This is why home field advantage, quote unquote, works. If you're playing a sport or a game, or if you're having Thanksgiving dinner at your own house, it's not as stressful as if you're trying to cook in someone else's kitchen. Why? You know where everything is. You know where the pans are, the pots. You know how your oven works. Yeah, you put it at 400, but you got to kick it on the side to get it up past 350. Those idiosyncrasies, we know how our environment works. And working in a comfortable environment lowers your cortisol level. Cortisol is a hormone that causes catabolism, which means breakdown. It's a stress hormone. It's in with the fight or flight. So if you come into an unfamiliar surrounding, not only do you release stress hormone, which breaks things down, uh, reduces how the brain works with integration and intellect and memory. It can actually shut down memory in some cases. It shuts down processing. You know, you can't do a calculus problem when you're full of cortisol and there's also adrenaline release fight or flight i'm ready to run up a tree not sit down and factor polynomials so when you're in an uncomfortable surrounding you know you all of a sudden have all these stress hormones these stress chemicals in our body and we can't perform as well as we should immediately or even in a few minutes or an hour into the future why is this important for success in life? Well, a lot of times your rituals that you set up lock you into good and bad habits. If you have a certain ritual that leads you to athletic performance, I always think of professional baseball pitchers. They all have their superstitions. They got to chew bubble gum. They have to use, 
sunflower seeds. They have a lucky rabbit foot that they rub. And they may put a little Vaseline on their wrist or something like that. They tug on their hat three times. They have these rituals or physical behaviors that are scheduled and disciplined every single time and repeatable that lead to higher neurological performance. We all have rituals. Um, I know a lot of people when they go to the gym, they have certain stretches they do and certain warm-ups. They have to have their own bag with all their gym wraps and their knee sleeves and their belt. Everything's in a certain place. These rituals they go through every single time help set the stage for better performance. It allows the nervous system, it prepares it for what's coming on, coming ahead. Working with memory, long-term memory, short-term memory, working memory, all that goes back and forth and sets the performance, sets the gain, sets the needle on the dial for what you're going to do next. We all love rituals. We all feel better when we come home. We all feel better when we come to our own house. And it's interesting is why do people feel better when they come home to their own house after a, a long day of work? They come home and they have screaming kids. It's terrible. It could even be a more chaotic situation at home than at their workplace, but they still feel better coming home. Why? It's chemicals released in the brain. The same thing as drinking that cup of coffee. Before the actual chemicals that are in that beverage hit you, your brain's already changing its program. It's shifting gears, if you will, to use a car analogy. So what does that mean to you? Rituals are okay. Some people have rituals that lead them into bad habits. If you're an alcoholic or use drugs, you know, you go by the same places, the corner on the street, you drive by the crack house, you go by the bar. I know many uh, people suffering from alcohol addiction and they still try to go to the same restaurants and bars. And everybody in the recovery community knows that, guess what, neurologically you have to change all that. Oh, you have to change your friends. Well, you just have the friends that don't drink around you. But you have to go, instead of going to that sports bar all the time, you may have to pick another one. Why? Because you're triggered. That's, I love that our modern society, especially the youngins, those in college and below, are using the word triggered. That's a neurological term that fight or flight and decreased processing is happening. I, you know, there's nothing to be proud of that you're triggered. You know, that means you're not thinking clearly, you're not processing clearly, and you intellectually have dumbed down. When someone tells me they're triggered, I'm saying, oh, you're highly emotional and you're processing basically like an animal. So you're not even human right now. It's nothing to be to brag about how many triggers you have. I'm triggered. I'm triggered. Well, you know, that's a shame. You know, why don't you get in, go to a zoo and get into a cage? You might as well get into a cage like an animal. I mean, come on. I mean... It's not being proud that you have triggers. A trigger is basically something in your external environment, something said to you, something you see, you know, some type of auditory, visual, kinesthetic sensation that's processed by the nervous system, specifically in the thalamus, that tells you that fight or flight, that some emotion, it triggers some type of feeling in you. And we love triggers in music that make us feel good or alive or passionate. But why would you brag about, uh, you know, having something that makes you feel negative all the time? The goal is either try to get over that or avoid it. Now, I digress, but understanding that your environmental cues, things around you help with your success. So what does that mean? Well, if you're studying for a test, 
Make sure you, if you're a college student, make sure you do it the same way. I know uh, one uh, friend of mine in graduate school, he always had, you know, two or three beers before, you know, a test to calm him down. I don't recommend this at all. But this is what this individual do, did. And he took a big, big board exam one time, and he did terrible. And he goes, I don't understand what I did. I said, did you have your three beers? I'm not going to take beers before a board exam. You have to do the same thing day in, day out. You have to have your ritual. His ritual was broken, and it put his brain into a more emotional state. And guess what? He couldn't process. He couldn't think. His brain didn't know we were about to take a test. So those rituals are very important. They help your nervous system work better fine-tuned, more efficient. And when we're running efficiently, we can run faster and stronger. The goal of life is to be efficient and be faster and stronger, not just in the barbell. We all want to be stronger at our jobs, stronger in our parenting relationships in life. It's just not about athletics. But this is just how the brain works. It applies to a barbell as it does your bank account. So you want to try to work on being efficient. And guess what? having your own shoes, putting your feet into your own shoes, your favorite shoes, your own style of shoes, your, that kinesthetic feeling that, that comes in through the nervous system, the visual cues. You look at it and you look at it visually, oh, these are my favorite shoes. Everything gets com comfortable. A lot of people say, this is my power tie. I remember that in the 80s. This is my power tie. No, this is the tie I like, I'm comfortable on. It doesn't matter what you know, length of four foot you know, silk they wrap around their neck. But what happens is they look at it, they feel comfortable with it, they're breathing deeper. And when you breathe deep and you get good, as I say, abdominal breathing, you actually control hyperventilation. When you're not breathing deep through your belly, belly breathing, you breathe high up in your chest. When you breathe high up in your chest, you hyperventilate, which means you go from, say, 10 to 12 breaths a minute, you may go to 14, maybe even higher. Not enough to go pass out and you have to breathe into a brown paper bag, but enough that you, when you hyperventilate slightly, that you blow off too much CO2. And we all know if you blow off too much CO2, oxygen binds tighter to the red blood cell at the level of the blood-brain barrier. You can put a little oxygen meter on your finger and it could say 99. You may be, may be 92 at your brain. So your brain works less efficiently when you're breathing too much. So the idea in life is to breathe low and slow. Control your environment the best you can. Wear things that you're comfortable with. Set up your environment the way you like it. It's okay for the man to have a man cave and for the woman to have a she shed. It's okay to have a place where you know where everything is. And that reason for that is it allows the brain to shift out of sympathetic mode, fight or flight, where a lot of energy and ATP and resources are wasted, and it shifts you back into a mode where you can process, you can think, and you can get out of the now thinking and think about future planning, goals, vision, or what am I going to do the next hour or two, and, or do I have to pick up the kids, or what's my next plan for my next championship? Whether that championship is, I don't know, state championship, national, world, or you're just trying to plan a beautiful party for your partner for a 20-year anniversary, or you're just trying to connect with your grandkids. All those things require the same nervous system. So why don't we just take a cue from our environmental cues 
and look around us and make sure that we're working in the most efficient environment possible. There's a reason why the cook, Emerald Lugasi, has everything in the kitchen where he wants it and it's perfect. And that makes him a better chef, makes him a better cook. The best mechanics know where all their tools are and without even thinking about it, they can close their eyes and tell them. And that allows their brain to work efficiently. Walking in something that's uncomfortable, someone else's moccasins, may or may not give you empathy. You may have to walk into those moccasins for more than a mile. You may have to walk in them for years so they become yours and then you can have empathy because now you've just become someone else by walking in their moccasins. It's very important to understand that when it comes to your own functioning of your own brain and to control your own triggers, you know what, it's more than just drinking a lot of coffee in the morning. It has to do with setting up rituals that make sense to you, even if they're silly, absolutely silly. I, uh, I always laugh at, uh, at my in-laws and uh, find that they use neurology also. When they all get together, they all hold hands and say a prayer and say the, the same German phrase every single time that means good appetite. And they shake hands and, and say it real loud. Now, it seems silly, but for grandma and grandpa, that means we're having a great experience. Things are going to go well. And even those kids who've been doing it 20, 30, even 40 years, I watch their breathing change after they say that, and all of a sudden, they're ready to love and care and interact with their family because they've been preset by this ritual that happens every single time. What's amazing is they're playing with their own neurology. They're playing with their own neurochemistry right in front of me. Now, hopefully, they're not listening to this, and now they figured out they're playing neuroscience, or maybe they just think it's a a cute, beautiful family tradition. Traditions matter. Rituals matter. Environmental cues matter. That way you can get better processing and better efficient use of your brain. It's time to start driving your own brain and not let other people drive it. And this has been another episode of A Fact Podcast. <laughs>